Well, that's all, folks. NBA Finals is a wrap. Denver Nuggets, congratulations to them. They get their first franchise title, taking down the Miami Heat in game number five in Denver, winning the series four to one. Best believe, Danny, the aroma in the city of Denver, the aroma in the state of Colorado uh, is very, hmm, how would I say this? Feels green. Probably smells green. Yeah. <laughs> oh, for sure. In the state, yeah, in the state of Colorado. Some. Yeah, and, and then, then some. some. With, with that being said, welcome into Inside the Green Room with Danny Green. I'm Harrison Sanford. We're going to talk about a couple of things. Uh, we'll look ahead to some free agency stuff. Obviously, we'll uh, look ahead to what the Heat might be up to now that they've lost in the NBA Finals. But let's give the flowers to where it's due. The Denver Nuggets get the job done winning their first NBA title. Danny, you've won three of them, but the last what? You haven't won now since 2020, since the bubble. I'm curious first for you, what does this what does this moment feel like as an NBA player watching somebody else win a title? Oh, for me at this point, man, first and foremost, congratulations to the Denver Nuggets. Uh, for me at this point, I'm just happy to see you know some of my brothers succeed and win, you know. Like the KCPs, you know, he had a second one. But the guys who were getting their first one, DeAndre Jordan, you know, Jeff Green, Ish Smith, you know, Reggie Jackson. The list goes on. There's a bunch of guys over there getting their first ring. Popeye Jones, Mike Malone. Um, you know, these are guys that I've known throughout the years, played against throughout the years. Uh, got a lot of respect for. Some of them were close teammates. Some weren't. Uh, but, yeah, at this point, it's, it's exciting to see certain guys win, especially guys that come off injuries like Jamal Murray, who tore his knee a year ago. Uh, to see guys like that bounce back, and as much as I disliked Golden State winning uh, championships in last year, but you got to root for Clay coming off an injury, back-to-back injuries, and knowing what it means to go through rehab like that for back-to-back summers is not for everybody. Uh, trust me, it's a tough process, a pain in the ass, but um, it's you know well worth it when you can come out on top or celebrate something like this and to, to be celebrated. Uh, so big shout out to Jamal Murray, man, and sticking it through. I see the you know the emotions coming out of him, Mike Malone, their whole group over there. Um, so yeah, it's just obviously the competitive side of me is like, damn, I want to be there, I want to play. And if I haven't gotten hurt in Philly against Atlanta, what would that year look like? If I ain't got hurt mm. last year against Miami, what would that look like? Um, so yeah, the competitive side wants me to be. I want to play. I feel like I'm be in this moment. I think I you know I want to be on that that stage, that floor, and, and try to shine again. And how do I get back there? Uh, but the the brotherhood, the fraternity side, the friend side is very happy and rooting and, and happy for other success uh, that's on those teams. Even the guys that lost in Miami, you know, Kyle Lowry, a good friend of mine. I'm happy that he had a hell of a year and they made it to the finals. Um, so, yeah, competitive side, I, I want to be there. I want to get back there. Uh, but the brotherhood side is I'm happy for a lot of those guys. I've getting that, their first championship and some of them their second. You talked about uh, that that time you were with Philadelphia. I want to get I want to get your thoughts on maybe what Joel Embiid is probably thinking right now at this moment as the Denver Nuggets win ninety four to eighty nine to win the NBA Finals. We'll get to that in a moment. Let's talk about the guy who uh, who who Danny. I, 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 as I watched the celebration, mm-hmm. I said to myself, "The league is in trouble." Oh yeah, because there's, there's a guy by the name of Nikola Jokic. He's, he's very humble and chill. <laughs> in points, rebounds, and assists during the playoffs, number one in each of those categories, and the man won the title and acted like nothing happened. Got the Finals MVP trophy, acted like nothing happened. And you've played <laughs> with the stoic teammate before, like Tim Duncan, mm-hmm. very stoic in his celebration. But I feel like even Tim might have showed a little bit more emotion than Jokic did. Uh, what would you, what do you say about Nikola Jokic? What did you, did you learn anything new about him as he's gone through this playoff run? No, I think we all as NBA players in our league know how nice he is. <laughs> we know how good and how tough of a matchup, how crafty, how slithery. Um, but I think the world is starting to see and start respecting now. The fact that he's stapled, stamped, certified now with that championship uh, he's not going to be one of those guys that has not never won or just one of those teams that are really good put up, you know, 2K stats or just a bunch of stat sheet players that didn't ever win. I think him and Jamal Murray sort of, you know, kind of certified, stamped themselves as the real deal with uh, getting this one. Um, but I think that the world is now learning how great he is 
and you know how humble he is. And he, you know, for him, though, you know, those Europeans, some of them are just different. It's just another work day. You know what I'm saying? It's not important. And they, they're good at it. They love to do it. Uh, but they love so many other things. You know, he loves his horses. He loves his family. They're celebrating him. He loves his daughter. Um, so he he enjoys that time more than probably on the court or with the teammates. He does. I'm sure he enjoys his teammates and on the court and winning and being the greatest. But he's one of those guys. It's another work day. And I'm just like Mike Malone. They didn't have a chance to celebrate yet. And he's like, yo, we're not we're not satisfied. We want more. And um, you could tell by Jokic's demeanor. That, that's kind of how he was carrying himself. Like, eh, this is cool. Uh, I may be excited for my fifth one, like Timmy was. Timmy was a little more excited for his fifth one, probably. Really? Um, toward the end of his career. But even then, mm. excited excited Timmy ain't really, ex- you know what I'm saying? He was happy we won, of course. I don't know how he was with his first one or in between. But, you know, he. this is where I've, I've been here before. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, I'm great. I'm good enough. You don't have to say it or show it. You know, let other, other people celebrate me. And that's just how he carried himself and. You know, he he was a very successful guy for a long period of time. And I think as you get older, you kind of take it for granted. And I think you realize how hard it is to get back there. And I think when he got his fifth one, that's when he realized, you know, maybe I should take this in a little more. Yeah, you you always say it never too high, never too low. But you expect to get a little bit high for, for an NBA final for a championship, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, but I said, even, even me, I think I, I, I enjoyed my first one. But I said, you don't realize how tough it is to win one or get there until you get back there. Um, took another mm. five years later, and you're like, I'm gonna enjoy this one, and the next one, I'm gonna, it was a bubble, so it's hard. But if I ever get back there again, man, you're gonna see a different Danny Green, <laughs> a very different Danny Green. <laughs> I hope, I, I hope so. Uh, let's uh, let's. I'm gonna talk a little bit more about Jokic. All right, so he goes in tonight, finishes the game with well, let's see here. Let me make sure I get my stats right. 28 points, 16 rebounds, 12 of 16 from the field. I mean, this dude. I I think, okay, so we could talk about a million different things about his greatness. Here's what I, as a basketball fan, appreciate the most, Danny. And I think you probably, I wonder if there's something else about him that you appreciate the most. I want you to, if you can't identify the most thing you appreciate him for as a basketball fan. I appreciate that you can never, ever, 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 ever get away with having a small person guard Nikola Jokic. If a small is behind him, it is going to be a layup or it's you're going to send a double and somebody's mm-hmm. going to hit a, somebody's going to get a good look from the outside. You're never going to, he's never going to bail you out. But if even if he has to take eight dribbles, he is never going to bail you out and that is a rarity in this NBA. And to your point and the same thing that I appreciate it's kind of go hand in hand. I think it's just his maturity and his patience. He doesn't let anybody speed him up. He doesn't let anything change how he operates or moves. Doesn't matter how big the stage is, how bright the lights. You send double teams, triple teams, single coverage, small guy, big guy. He's going to take his time, take his dribbles, and he's going to operate the way he operates. And he said he's going to take eight dribbles, he's going to get a bucket, or he's going to find somebody, regardless of how it is. He's not like, oh, let me get excited because I got this little guy on me and try to rush it and, and screw it up or get surprised by a double team. He takes his time, man, and I appreciate the fact that he said he's a very humble player, but he doesn't let anybody change or speed him up. Yeah, it's um, it's 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 tremendous, and and I'm thinking to myself now as he and I made a little list, Danny, of like made a list of like who would I want to be around watching these NBA finals, watching specifically <laughs> Game Five, watching Jokic get the MVP trophy, and number one on my list, number one on my list was Joel Embiid. <laughs> Obviously, the MVP debate has been going back and forth for the past three years. Uh, they've been compared left and right, compared left and right. And, you know, Joel's been one of my favorite players. I like the way that he develops his game every year in terms of his offensive abilities. And I think a, well, a lot of that reason because Ben refused to develop his game. But that's another story for another day. <laughs> I won't comment. But, jo- <laughs> but Joel... The thing I've always appreciated about him, again, he's come back every year with something new. Mm-hmm. And if I'm Joel Embiid, I think this might be the first time that I say, yo, I know I can score. Face up, step back, shoulder in your chest, jump hook. It's time for me to become a better facilitator of the offense and using more than just my scoring to get people involved using my, I mean, Jokic is, Jokic is creating assists simply mm-hmm. by the width of his shoulders. He's mm-hmm. just getting people, people are totally blocked out 
from trailing people or on the little dribble handoffs. Like he's creating so much just by being present and being willing to let other people shine. And for me, at least as a viewer, you can tell me if I'm wrong, it always felt like Joel was always intent on scoring and waiting for you to then double team. And then maybe he would consider passing. Whereas Jokic's scoring is the last resort. So different, it's like a different mindset between both are great, obviously, but it's like a for different sure. mindset. And obviously it empowered the Nuggets to win an NBA title. I agree in most of the sense and disagree in part of the sense. Um, I know Joel is thinking this is the biggest motivational tool he'll ever get to winning a championship. Um, mm. I know how he feels when it comes to certain people in his generation or in his era or compared to in his category at his age. He does not like anybody having one up on him. So the fact that Nikola got there first and got one, there's nothing else more that can drive him to to try to get him to get one. Um, I also think that he watches this, looks tape, and I hope that he studies it. And I don't think it's more so scoring second because you don't have to be that. I think Nikola still looks to score, but he plays the game the right way and just feeds off of what the defense not giving him, but what he reads and making the right reads. Um, Joel does it at times. He's gotten better with it. He, this past year. I've seen him have more assists. Uh, but like you said, I think it's a secondary thought instead of just like, you know, this is what is happening. This is what is open. Um, I think it's more so of him reading and seeing the blueprint of I need my teammates to help me. <laughs> and how do I get that? I have to make them better. So I think his next step for him is not a just a, it's not about passing and scoring. It's just how can I make my teammates better? Because you can do that in both ways. You can mm. find ways to score or find ways to get them open, find ways to be productive or be a decoy or find ways to impact the game in many multitude of ways, offensively and defensively, and, and help your team win and trust your teammates to help you win and to build confidence in them and to get the right pieces around you. Mm. Um, you know, he's the type of guy that, oh, Ben Simmons doesn't want to play? All right, I'll play point guard. F it. No, no. you got to have a point guard. You know, he's more than working on three-point shooting. I'm going to shoot threes. Like, I'll do everything. Like, you're good enough to do all those things, but it's hard to do it by yourself for 48 minutes, especially in a playoff series when a team is keying on you. You need help. So you have to have and trust those guys to have that help and to, to encourage them and build that. What Nikola has done over the years um, with the MPJs, the KCPs, the Bruce Browns, the Christian Browns, and, and allowing them to be themselves and trusting them when the time matters. They throw that zone out of, you know, I'm going to find my guys, Jeff Green. Here's Christian Brown go, going back door, uh, getting layups and making guys better. So when that stage does happen, they're not, they're not, it's not surprising them. They're not shocked by it. I think Joel tries to make the play when it's too late at that point. It's like these guys are not even used to getting the ball in this spot. They're not used to you even passing it at this point. Like you're passing when when your triple team's like, oh, damn, okay, now he's passing it. But if they're used to catching it in pockets and spaces that they're normally – when it's open, when, it, when it's the right play, they'll be full confident and ready to go and ready to help you um, when you play like consistently, you know, for 48 minutes mm. throughout the whole season. Uh, so I said I hope he takes this, this – and I know he's going to take it as motivation, but I hope he takes, you know, page out of this book to see like – you know what? I need my teammates' help, and how can I get them to be better? How can I encourage them? How can I make them better? Because um, that's that's pretty much the most guys that have won superstars. They've had they need they had help, and they've helped. They had those guys, and they've made them better. There's not many guys that didn't make their teammates better have won a championship. Yeah, I mean that that is that is well said. I think it's again, you know, I, I I've loved Joel Embiid's offensive game, but as I've watched more and more of Jokic, you understand why. Jokic won two MVPs. Obviously, these guys are both skilled, but it, at a certain point, it's not about how much skill you have. It's about mm -hmm. the leadership capabilities, the IQ, and not, not to say that Joel is not a smart basketball player, but there's this different level. Of, there's clearly an elite Hall of Fame level of basketball comprehension that Nikola Jokic has, and he's been exuding it throughout the entirety of these playoffs, and uh, congratulations to him. Uh, he is an NBA Finals MVP. I will say this, though, Danny, another person that I thought uh, that I would love to be hanging out with during these NBA Finals, particularly during Game 5, watching Nikola Jokic win Finals MVP was Steven Adams' agent. Because I'm of the belief that Steven Adams might be the only person left in the NBA that can guard Nikola Jokic one-on-one. -on -one. I'm giving him point. I'm giving him that thought because the man is OD strong. He has like a don't he's like a, he has a don't fuck with me is 
That's not a word. I just made it up. <laughs> he's yeah. gonna get. He's gonna get all the way like physical, and he doesn't mind bumping. And I just feel like maybe he's the only person who has the physicality, the strength, and the IQ, uh, and the IQ. And he's been a great defender, and also a great, and also too, which is you know some a lot of big men have been struggled with this. He's also a great rebounder too. Uh, he's an so amazing I think, rebounder. Yeah, he could and he might be he might might be able to keep Jokic off the boards. Can you think of anybody? And you can't say Anthony Davis, right? Mm-hmm. And I know you play with him, so you might feel obligated to say not that you feel obligated, but it would still be a decent answer. But judging off the Western Conference Finals, you can't include Anthony Davis. Can you mm-hmm. think of anybody? If you were a GM, let's do that. If you're a GM, you put in your roster together, you, you're in the Western Conference, you know. If you don't have a one-on-one guy for Nikola Jokic, you're not getting you're not getting to the finals. Yeah, you can't. And I think no, there is no one player. Uh, and as good as Steven Adams is, he's not locking Jokic up. He can contain him. But I think Steven does the best job on Jokic as well as Embiid. You know, and those guys yeah, are still getting really 20 30. He's very good at what he does. But I also thinks what helps Steven is the fact that he got tripped behind him. So when you have a guy like Jaron Jackson that can block shots, AD was playing off the goal, off, off the ball, and that's what made him most effective on most series. We um, can't guard one one and off the ball. So the only tandems that I can think of that can guard a guy like that is if you had a big on him like a Brook Lopez and have Giannis behind him, or you know Giannis guard him, and then Brook Lopez, you have another rim protector behind him. That's the only way that can slow him down or not get to the finishes that he usually normally gets and made a affect or adjust his shot. Um, but, you know, I got to go back to bubble Dwight. You know, Dwight, if <laughs> if the Lakers had, they used Tristan. Tristan used... Well, yeah, they had Dwight, yeah, Dwight and JaVale. <laughs> and, they had, yeah, and they had, you know, they, were, they had AD as a secondary defender or AD mm. with Dwight and JaVale behind him. So you need somebody to body him and a second defender behind him to be able to come over and, and block shots or alter shots and, and keep him off the, you know, he's great at tip, tip, tap, keep him off the glass. So um, you need tandems to stop him. There is no one-on-one situation stopping Nikola Jokic. So, I mean, if the Lakers had Dwight, they had Tristan, he did a decent job. If they had Dwight to throw in there, use his fouls, get physical with him, um, and try to get in his head a little bit, not saying they would have won, but I think they would have got a game or two, um, you know. But uh, I said there's no single one-on-one player guarding either one of those guys. But Steven Adams is the guy that does the best job that I've seen so far. Yeah, and I do wonder, too, what what it would have meant for the Miami Heat success. Bam Adebayo played well, but what that would have looked like if he could have extended to the three-point line. How much more shoot? could that have? Ex- yeah, how much more could that have extended Jokic and maybe tired him out? Because while again, Bam was great, but Jokic played played like four over forty minutes each game and ne- never looked tired, never looked tired at all. all right, and actually, that brings me to another point. Uh, we talked about Michael Malone being uh, talking about we want more, and of course, uh, they seem qualified to want more. Nikola, I mean, to get more. Nikola Jokic twenty eight. Uh, Jamal Murray, 26. There's two things I want to discuss about that. One, uh, I was doing radio last night, and somebody said something about the the, the John Stockton theory. We had Tim Bonta. I was doing ESPN radio last night. Oh, yeah, you were on. Uh, yes, thank sir. you for coming on. Thank you for coming on the of show. Of course, brother. Of course. Yeah. But, like, but before you came on, Tim Bontemps came on the show, and he said, uh, he said basically when it comes to Nikola Jokic, uh, they have an ability to keep going further or extending their careers or no, actually, my bad. He said Nikola Jokic barely gets hurt because remember he had that little ankle twist in game number four. He barely gets hurt, and it's like the John Stockton theory because you really don't jump high, you don't really run fast, you're not relying upon that that you actually decrease your ability of getting hurt. Is there like I've never heard it before? It seems logical. I, I, I'm curious if you ever heard anything along those lines. Like, not heard that, and I mean to an extent, small percentage. I agree. But John Stockton was not no slow guy. He was no – and even though you're not jumping high, there's still a physical game out there. You're still running, still running through screens, on screens. But if you're not jumping as much or as high, yes, you're more likely to save yourself some injuries. But, I mean, maybe 20 to 40 percent, not a high percentage of that happening because of your unathleticism. Um, but interesting point, and 
you know, he's available. And that's what makes him, you know, very good at what he does. The reason why he's MVP and the reason why, you know, their team was the best team in the league this year or one of the best. They were top in the West anyway. Uh, they had some injuries, but not as many as other teams. They were the healthiest team and they played the best. You know, usually those are teams that, you know, are, are winning or st- last team standing. Yeah, I mean, well, end of the day, you got Jamal Murray and you have Nikola Jokic and you have continuity between uh, the roster, the head coach. It's all going to eventually make sense, make sense. And because, again, they're 28 and 26, it does seem that they have a long runway here in order to uh, continue to be uh, contenders for the NBA title, if not the favorite. They'll have a they'll have a big job to do retaining Bruce Brown this offseason. Uh, but Mr. Kroenke, uh, I believe this is his fourth title in the past two years between all the teams that he owns. So yeah, uh, maybe crazy. he's got some, chi- he's got some chips laying around somewhere to make sure Bruce Brown could be compensated fairly. Uh, he might as well test the lottery at this point, you know? <laughs> exactly. Right. Uh, real quick note. I I wanted to make sure I got this one in and you, you said a little congratulations to KCP. And as we get ready for free agency and you, I, I, I you know, I complain about this a lot. And I'm going to get upset because it's going to happen sometime during this offseason. During this offseason, some player in the NBA, and again, get your dollars. I ain't mad at anybody else. Some player in the NBA who has a quote-unquote bag, a step-back jumper, the ability to cross people over, an isolation game, and take you to the park, put you on ball-as-life mixtape type of abilities at time. One of those players is going to get a big bag. And then there's going to be a player like KCP who just hits threes, plays defense, always in the right spot, dies for the loose ball, and it's going to go totally under the radar. And then all of a sudden that player will be in a moment like this. You'll be like, oh, damn, that was a nice pickup. And I say that because <laughs> this past off season and this past couple of years, Again, no offense to Will Barton. He's definitely a talented basketball player. But for the past couple of years, they've been using Will Barton in their six-man, come-off-the-bench, wing-defender-ish kind of role. And while he's great at doing that, that's not necessarily what the team needed. What the team needed needed. was a guy who hits threes, plays defense, and doesn't need the ball in his hands to excel. And I don't understand why every single offseason we see these we see these signings or we see teams trade for these 21 point per game scores who don't ma- who can't who shouldn't have the ability or shouldn't be allowed to even try to score 21 points per game because they're taking shots from the better players. But it happens. Um, I know you're yeah. you're a three, you're in the three and D mold. So mm-hmm. I'm just curious what you think about that, because it, I appreciate it frust- you. It frustrates yeah, I'm, me I'm all sure the it time, does, bro. And Team I, fit, I get, man. It's about fit. For sure. And I, I understand your bias, and I don't want to be biased, but I, I do agree um, that front offices and coaching staff, I think some of them aren't on the same page. And some of them need to get mm. on a better or same page or a better page. There's got to be better communication. Also with your superstars on what you need uh, and what makes sense. Just to rack up your team with a bunch of guys that with the big names or that can do a lot of things. A lot of these things, they all do the same thing. Why, why would you pick up a lot of guys that do the same thing? Or a guy that's a, trying to be a superstar that's in a role player position and can't be himself because he's got other superstars on his team. You have your superstars, fill it in with the role players. That, that makes sense. Fill it in what they need around them. Fill it in what your team lacks, whether it's defense, whether it's shooting, whether it's rebounding or depth. You got to figure it out. So, um, yeah, and I'm all for everybody getting paid, but I, I think it, it makes sense to pay the right guys for your group, for your team, uh, instead of like, oh, let me get so-and-so and so-and-so and add this guy to all these big names. Well, you've seen it time and t- time again that it doesn't always work. Um, we've seen it happen in Brooklyn. We've seen it happen in uh, some other places as well. But obviously, they never had a chance to stay healthy and be well together happened, with James Kyrie. happened Kyrie. in L.A. when they picked up Westbrook. Happened in L.A. It's happened a lot of places. No, yeah, and there's no shame happened to West. No sh- yeah. Eclipse. Um, it's happened a lot of places, man, where they picked up a lot of people with names, um, you know, and it just didn't work out the way people expected it to. And some people, basketball people that, that know the game could see it a mile away, and you're like, you're shocked when it doesn't work. I was like, everybody in the world saw that that wasn't going to work. <laughs> Why did you think it would? And by that time, it's too late. But it's going to be an interesting summer. I'm excited to see who goes where, what moves are made before and after draft, um, who picks up what. 
Um, but yeah, man, uh, and I'm I'm excited to be a part of that process. Hopefully, you know, teams see a value in me and and know, even though I didn't play a, a lot in Cleveland, I thought I was showing toward the end of the season the few minutes that I did play in the games that didn't really matter, and I guess the few minutes I played in the playoff game that I, I can still be productive and give you a spacing and, and defending on that floor. So um, it's gonna be interesting to see see what uh what happens. July one, and then obviously June was it twenty six for the draft? So June twenty second. So oh, next June Thursday, 20, is it? It's the twenty second. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so it's your boy's right. birthday. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's it's right around. Yeah, right around the corner. Right around the yeah. corner. Um, I'll be out the country. Yeah. Just just because just because somebody can score eighteen points a game doesn't mm-hmm. mean they are worth eighteen million dollars a year. It's just, it's just, it's, it's it, 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 those two things don't correlate with each other. And I just wish people understood that. And again, shout out to KCP for proving that you don't need to have a quote unquote bag to be a valuable player in the national. A value, very, very valuable piece to winning a championship. Exactly. He balled out tonight. He need he, and even though I'm looking at the stats now, he sh- he was four of ten from the field, but one of five from three. But it looked like he, yeah. But look uh, at that. Here we go. Steals, here we go, Danny. rebounds, yeah. stuff that doesn't two, show on the stat sheet. Two steals, three blocks. He had more than Massive. that. Honestly, like he had deflections. They didn't give him a steal for. They had, you know, a bunch of other game-winning plays, winning plays that matter. Even said Michael Porter Jr. didn't shouts. shoot well, but winning plays, offensive rebounds, putbacks, rebounds. tipouts. You know, I mentioned a guy like Kyle Lowry, who you know a lot of his stuff doesn't show on the stat sheet. The big plays he made to give him extra possessions, whether it's charges and tipouts. Uh, but yeah, those guys, man, those guys are really valuable pieces, and you need them. And they make they do stuff that does not show up in the stat sheet that win you games. Yep. All right. Uh, well, you mentioned Kyle Lowry. Uh, let's turn our focus over to the Miami Heat. What do they do now that they have lost in the NBA Finals after Jimmy Butler pretty much guaranteed they'd win three straight after he's had guarantees after every damn playoff game this postseason. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll also talk about his comments about the Hall of Fame as well. I'm we'll, upset with we'll you. Get we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. I know you're not happy we'll, with the guy, but this was a successful season for we'll, Miami. We'll, we'll, we got to we'll, Go let's take it to let's take it to break, and then we'll okay. talk about Jimmy in a moment. All right, so we talked about the Denver Nuggets. Congratulations to them. And rest assured, it feels like we'll be seeing them over the next five years or so in the National Basketball Association, if not on the center stage, very much so competing for it. The Miami Heat, I guess we'll have to see. A lot of uh, of their success this offseason, or this postseason, uh, a lot of people are going to question if it's replicable for next season. And obviously, that might change if they make a trade for Damian Lillard, which is going to be rumored during this offseason, that's for sure. But first and foremost, to start at the top, how would you classify? If, I know Eric Sposher probably says it's a disappointment. I haven't listened to the postgame comments yet. Jimmy Butler has been pretty honest about saying that it's going to be a disappointment if they don't win the whole thing. But in what do you it truly in their heart of hearts, how do you think they feel? And how do you feel, Curtis, you know, for them? Like, how would you classify it for, for them? And then do you really think that they see this season as a disappointment? I, I don't think so. I think they 100% know that they were not supposed to be there. <laughs> no matter what they believe in that locker room or how much they don't care and they think they were the best team, they were not one of the best teams in the league this season. Um, they were the best teams in the postseason. They picked up the right time. Timing is everything. They stayed healthy. They played great against Milwaukee. Um, you know, timing is everything. Their others stepped up at the right time. Uh, so realistically, they, they weren't supposed to be there. So I think it was a success. And I think they deep down would think that as well. I think Udonis is okay with retiring on that type of loss in the finals. They got to win. Oh, yeah. Udonis, uh, Udonis got to be happy that he's he left his guys fighting. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? You got to win. You're on the final stage. You beat, I mean, a team you, you beat one time anyway. You got to beating the top teams in the East and you – Beat a team once, I guess it was four one, but a team that other teams struggled with. They they just swept the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. So I'm not saying that the one win is a moral but moral victory, but you guys just didn't lay down. You guys didn't get you know your ass kicked and blown out every game. A lot of those games were close games and very winnable for Miami. Um, so I think deep down they feel a successful season. And I think everybody on the outside thinks it was a successful season for them. 
because they were an A seed, really a seven seed, but an A seed, get into the finals, one of the most historic runs in the history of the game. So, yeah, and from here, I, I think they – I don't know if they can replicate it. It's going to be very tough. I said that those other guys, they played really well. They have a good group. I think they can have a really good season and still make a playoff, uh, make the playoffs next year. I don't know about being a contender. Um, I think at some point they're going to have to figure out how to keep some of their core guys but also get younger and better at the same time. Um, Kyle Lowry is my guy. He's 37 now. He's got another year under his belt. You know, Jimmy's not getting any younger. Bam is still young. He's good. Tyler Hero. But if you're looking to get a Dame Lillard, you're going to have to move some pieces. And do you even have the pieces that Portland wants to be able to get well, a Dame Lillard? Um, yeah, well, we'll, we'll, yeah, but let, let, we could talk about we'll talk about Dame in just a moment. But a quick, you know, this a, a quick look at game number five and throughout the entirety of this series. Uh, the only game that they won is when they shot over 40 percent from three. That was game number two here in game number five. They shot nine of 35 from three uh, back in game number four. They shot eight of 25 from three. Uh, and something that was not really mentioned a lot as everybody previewed these NBA finals. The Denver Nuggets were actually the number two team in the NBA at guarding the three. Team shot 35.4% against them from the three-point line. The best, the second best mark in the NBA, the number one team for that, for the record, by the way, was the New Orleans Pelicans for whatever reason. But with that being said, wow, you know, they, you know, the Nuggets did what they did in the regular season in terms of guarding the three very well, which put a lot of pressure mm-hmm. on Jimmy Butler. And Jimmy Butler, throughout the entirety of these playoffs, Series after series after series, statistically, and by the eye by the eye test, got worse. First round versus Milwaukee Bucks, 37.6 points per game, killing them. Nick, the Knicks, yeah. uh, 24.6 points per game. Go to the Celtics, 24.7. So right around the same thing, right around the same margin there. But he had his hiccups during that series. Yeah. And then during these NBA finals, only mm-hmm. 21.6 points per game, only averaged six free throws uh, during these NBA finals. And obviously he's known for getting to the free throw line. For me, this was and, – and I was just like everybody else. I was – Jimmy Butler's great, you know, look at what he's doing in first round, second round. Damn, I hate Jimmy's killing my Knicks. But as time is going on, it, it, not to say that he's easy to guard because he is not. But if you have this, if you have a certain body type like Aaron Gordon or, mm-hmm. or, size, or Christian Braun, who, uh, Brown, excuse me, who, you know, he's a rookie, but he's, he looked like he got, he looked like he'd been in the weight room. He's got a size. He's tall yeah. enough. He's tall enough. And he's got a size. You got the size and the foot speed, the size and, and the foot speed to be able to stay with him. It makes it difficult, which is hard to find. And not everybody's that size and can slide as well as Aaron Gordon. And, and then Brown. the and but then the discipline. This is really where it comes in. The discipline not to fall for the Jimmy for not foul a, a Butler <laughs> pump fake. Pump because fakes. once once you saw it during game five, a lot of the time he would drive into the paint, pump fake, pump fake, nothing to do. I'm gonna pass it to somebody else. Or they, or we're just driving to the paint, and because he's not a great shooter, doesn't always have an elite level of confidence. And you know that you've played with superstars before. Sometimes superstars have irrational confidence. Like, I'm just going to shoot the ball whenever. Doesn't matter. Jimmy doesn't have that to his to – his, again, he's a great player, but he doesn't have that irrational confidence that you usually would see from a leading star on an NBA Finals type of team. I'm just I find myself just conflicted with Jimmy because he's led the team to do great things. And he's and he seems like a very he seems like a leader of of the guys. But at the same time, I don't necessarily know if his skill set. Is the is what's needed or what can carry you to an NBA title because of his limitations when it comes to shooting or or rather yet his inability to, again, have that. irrational confidence in his ability to score whenever it's needed or whenever, or, or whenever he wants to. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's pretty obvious. He's a very good player. He's a great player. Um, and I think a lot of people spoke on this on every platform. Can you win with him being your number one? I think it's a possibility, but I think it's very slim. I think Jimmy is more of a guy that can, you know, be your Draymond, you know, um, as a, you know, third or you know fourth option. He can score with him. He said he's getting older now. Maybe when he was younger, he could have been a little bit, you know, number two, three option. 
as a number one now, I, I think it's it's going to be tough. I said as he gets older, um, he said because if you have the the body type and and the discipline to just not you know get him to the free throw line, it's going to be tough for him to score and be a factor. I think what helps him is when he can be a number one. The way he does it and when be a number one is he has Tyler Hero and other threats mm. around him to where he's not focused on as a number one, but he is still the number one option. So him handling the ball and having Tyler Hero on the wing. Having Duncan or certain guys that can score on the wing that can play, bam, playing at a high level. When the focus is not Jimmy, it's easier for him to be the number one that he is. When they had their offense where you're chasing shooters, you're taking Duncan Robinson, Max Struess, Gabe Vincent, all these guys, and Jimmy still gets his 30. The reason why he gets his 30 is because the focus is not on him as the number one. When the other guys aren't playing well and you could focus on Jimmy and playing him, it's it's much harder. But if you have other guys that are all-stars, if you pick up some other superstars or whoever it may be, um, to make him the number three now, the game is way much easier for him. And then, of course, he can be himself and be even more efficient and more effective. So, I mean, I don't disagree with these platforms. I do think it's possible. But I agree that the fact that, you know, him as getting older and being the number one option, it's going to be very hard um, to win championships because he's not your natural go-get-you-a-bucket off of a, of a one-on-one ISO type of game. He has to play off, you know, uh, DHOs and, and yeah. pick and rolls or savvy and get to the free throw line or play in the post and try to draw a foul. Um, that works but for so long, you know, in certain series that, that that's going to wear on him and teams are going to be smarter and more disciplined. They're not going to give you foul free throws every time. Um, even though he's still effective in doing it and still, you know, somehow gets them, um, it's just not the game. It's not, it's not a game that is, is – the formula for successful championship basketball. Yeah, he's definitely he's definitely not a quick strike offensive player, and it, sometimes you definitely need that. Um, he also, again, you know, he Jimmy was he was on the verge of getting, for lack of a better phrase, crucified on NBA Twitter because at one point he was two of ten from the field, and it looked like every time he was driving to the paint, he wasn't driving to score. He's looking to pass. Um, he got saved. Mm-hmm. Then he had the 12 yeah, points in the fourth quarter. he got saved by hitting that three, hitting three the threes. three, and then getting fouled on the two, yeah, threes. two threes and getting fouled on the three-point three. line. That really saved if – that if that sequence did not happen, I'm sure Tuesday morning uh, sports radio, sports TV would uh, will be talking at, at Jimmy Butler's expense. For sure. Now, because he had that moment there, because I think we've all looked – 12 – he's right off 12 or 13 straight, right? It was a 13 straight points. He's Their last 12 points, maybe 13 Something like points. that. So yeah, that run definitely yeah, something helped. That, yeah. That it run definitely, definitely helped him, but he still, but he still took that. He still got into the paint, got stuck, didn't know what to do, threw it to somebody. KCP got the steal. Oh, we talked about how good KCP was. That's yeah. a, that was a, a, a that that steal could have won them the finals. So yes. Um, and then he took that very ill-advised the, the three-point three point shot. shot. That, that was terrible. That was three, terrible. Yeah. That was you gotta extend the game at that moment. You had a lot of time. You had a lot of time. You could have made a play, and that's at least drive and kick for a three-point shot. Uh, but that was like a turn, fade, kick the leg type situation, try to get fouled. Um, so I, I would have been okay with getting a two at that point, or at least driving to make somebody come help and then find somebody else on the weak side for a three. If you're going to get three, make it an open three. But you had enough time to at least play the foul game for, you know, one, one or yeah, two more I think that deflated the team, too, because after – I mean, it, they didn't even mm-hmm. try and foul at the end of the game, which was like they, 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 were, they waved the white no. flag on that one. So they, they were down five or six, and then Kalo shot a three, and they got the rebound, and it was it so. Was with that now, and because of what happened, and again, we don't know if Damian Lillard even wants this to happen. But mm-hmm. unlike you know when you know when KD Kevin Durant when he lost to the Warriors, uh, and but but they mm-hmm. but then they lost in the finals, so then he felt it as oh it's okay I can go there now. If Damian Lillard goes to the Miami Heat, no, if Dame Dame's not listening to the podcast, but Dame Lillard just know. If you go to the Miami Heat, nobody's going to see you as disloyal. Nobody's going to see you as a, a bandwagon jumper. They're going to see you as Damian Lillard just went to the Miami Heat to try and win an NBA championship. And I do think... Yeah, going to the, the West Coast. East Coast, yeah. East Coast. Provided East. what they have to give up, I think they the Heat could be in a very good spot because you know damn well they're going to be coached right. They're going to have a very good game plan. Um, and Dame Lillard... Uh, rest assured, is a quick strike offensive type of player who would definitely 
embrace the moment and the responsibilities that are required of a number one score in a situation like this. At least we all assume from what we've seen from Damian Lillard. So uh, I think it, the, the interesting thing will be what piece will they have to move? Like, obviously, I think if you move the Kyle Lowry salary and maybe like Victor Oladipo's $10 million or whatever he's making, you can give that to the, the, the Trailblazers and that satisfies the salary requirements or the money going back and forth. Um, yeah, but it satisfies their requirements. Does it satisfy what they want? They're going to want a Tyler yeah. Hero. They're going to want some younger pieces. They're not going to take older pieces or injured pieces. Maybe they will. You know, we well, never that's know. That's the but thing. I would assume. Well, that's that. that they're yeah. rebuilding. They're going to yeah, go that, younger. Well, that's also the thing, too. Like, because Dame has he has embraced the Portland community and he's been celebrated by the franchise. In this instance, I think Dame, again, this is where Dame, I really think Dame should, this. if there's any time for Dame Lillard to flex, it's right now. Because you have the ability to say, hey, I want to go there. Um, I've been great to your franchise. You guys have a young player in Anthony Simons or Shaden Sharp. Let me go here and don't gut the roster. So I'm actually leaving with a purpose. I'm I'm leaving with an actual realistic goal. So they're going to do him a favor for their organization by receiving back not as many good pieces. As long as it's not a bad. That is a (laughs) hell of an ask. (laughs) Not only send me there. Don't send me there. Just send me there because I want to be there. But send me there and leave me there with guys yeah. <laughs> that I can win with too because I did so well for you guys the last 10, 12 years. That's a hell of an ask. And even yeah. for me. But uh, I could see him. I said I could see them embracing him and send him because probably he's not going to ask for it. And him landing in Miami is not like my choice type situation. Like I'm asking out. It's, you know, team trading me. I think he's going to be as loyal as he can be to to, to Portland. And, and until a time comes up where they're like, all right, you know, we're not going to be able to surround him the way we need to by the deadline or by you know, by the draft or the free agency. We couldn't do it, so let's find him a home. And then talk to Dame like, hey, where would you rather be? Where would you like to be? Now, we can send you there, but we're going to need to get some something Stop in it. return. We're not going to just gut, our, <laughs> gut ours and get nothing back. So we're going to need some pieces, which is fair. But I said, nobody's going to heckle him or be upset at him for going to Miami. Mind you, it's, east to, it's west to east. And, uh, you know, it's not a team that he lost to being up 3-1 on or whatever like that. And there's no shots taken at anybody. But this is what people look at and say, oh, we don't, can't count that. Why would you do that? Make that move. Yeah, it's a whatever. clean, it's a clean move. Wherever he wants it's a to clean go. move. It's a clean move. And it's really a move for his organization to move him wherever they want to move him and to ask him and do right by him. And I think they will do right by him. But I don't think they'll do that <laughs> right by him by sending him there and giving him to keep the players he wants to keep there. To win a championship, yeah. In Miami. We'll, 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 so we'll, we'll, we'll see. see. It's it's it is it is a damn shame that uh, he's not on this. He has not been on the center stage in two years. Uh, it's it's about that time, Mister Lillard. Just because again, and I and I I I I would hold fast to this belief. If he does, and particularly this summer, after not being in the playoffs for two years, if he does not ask out. Like give him a chance. You could give him a chance by by the by the by the NBA draft. You know what they could pull off, and maybe even thirty three or thirty four this summer, yeah. right? Thirty four this summer. I think I'm not hundred. I'm not hundred percent, but he's around there though. Mm-hmm. With that being said, okay. if he decide if he does not push a button to get up out of there, I'm not gonna look at him like I look at James Harden. This is a whole different thing. But I'm gonna say I'm really gonna say to myself, bro, do you actually want to win? Like, do you actually want to give yourself a chance to win? So I hope I don't have to ask that question. Hopefully he ends up in a situation that's going to be competitive. And it looks like the Miami Heat can certainly use him. And they definitely have at least, I think, some of the ability to try and get him. All right, quick strikes here before we get up out of here. He'll be 33 this summer, by the way. But yes, okay. Uh, Quick strikes while we're we're out of here. Uh, As much as NBA Twitter was celebrating the Denver Nuggets and Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, uh, it was also quick to say that uh, any moment now uh, that Adam Silver will be announcing John Moran's suspension for the upcoming <laughs> season. Take away Denver's whole celebration. <laughs> oh, John Moran, everybody forgets that. Yeah, Mike, Mike Malone's going to be pissed. Mike Malone's <laughs> going to be tight. <laughs> uh, with that said, um, me, you and I haven't reacted to the leak that came out, the multiple media reports. I think it was first broken on The Breakfast Club uh, that people in John Moran's camp uh, have been saying or has been leaked rather yet that the gun that was that John Morant was seen flashing on his most recent Instagram live or on his friend Devonte Pack's Instagram live was a toy gun. 
your reaction to that. And when do you, what do you think the suspension is? And when do you think we get it from Adam Silver? Because you got to let Denver have their shine for a little bit, right? You can't announce it tomorrow. If you announce it tomorrow, like it's, then we're going to talk about the Denver Nuggets. I say wait till after the draft, uh, if you ask me, or right before the right draft. Right before the draft. You know, give it some time. Either before the draft or after the draft. Yeah, right before the draft. And then then hopefully the draft will take away some of that attention. Let let Denver celebrate. Let them have a week at least. Um, I think that the suspension is going to be around 30 games. It's what it seems to hear, like the hearsay of what I've felt the vibes around the league and what I'm reading, um, which seems to be, I guess, somewhat fair. You know, you, you guys made a second mistake um, doing the same thing. You got to know there's a punishment that's going to come a lot harsher than the first one. Um, I thought half a season would have been way too much. I thought a full season would have been very extreme. Um, so I think 30 games is fair. Uh, my reaction to the the toy gun comments, I, I don't have a reaction or a comment. Uh, leave it where it is, regardless of the fact, um, toy or not, it's looked at in a bad light. This punishment's coming. Hopefully it helps. If it was a toy gun, it hopefully helps that it's not as many games as I am rooting for him. He was a brother of mine, did share a locker room with him. I want to see him do well. I want to see his team. I feel bad for the guys in the locker room, all the questions they get, because I'm not even in that locker room anymore, and people are always, yeah, what's going on with Ja? What's going on with 12? can imagine the questions that they're getting. And to start the season without one of their leaders, one of their all-star players, and have to play, 30 games without him and have to make up for that time and try to be a playoff team. You know, 30 games can change your whole season um, and change how some of those guys eat, how they get paid, how there they play. Go. So I feel for most of those guys um, when, when it comes down, I, and I hope Adam Silver has taken that into account too and not penalizing the key, the team as much for one person's action, even though that's not how it's looked at and it's, it's not going to you know, change how his decision is made. But uh, yeah, man. Uh, other than that, I have no comments, and I just hope for the best for him. It makes me think of the time uh, when you were in Philadelphia and and Ben Simmons was doing his Ben Simmons thing. By the way, Ben Simmons, nobody wants to see you on Instagram right now. Okay, that's besides the point. But <laughs> has, it, has he been posting on Instagram uh, or something? He's back with the bullshit again, bro. He's back with the bullshit. Oh, man. <laughs> Anyways. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but when Ben, But when Ben was gone... Like I don't, I don't, I didn't have to be a uh, quote unquote insider to know that you or George's or Tobias or anybody else on that team had the right to be mad at Ben Simmons because your he his lack of participation was impacting your performance and your performance impacts your dollars. A hundred percent. So a hundred percent. What Ja has to realize here is that he. He runs the risk of creating resentment among his teammates. For example, and I'm, this is not true, but I'm giving an example. For example, thankfully, it's not him sitting out on his own. But yes, yeah. it can it can happen. Yeah. For example, oh, go ahead, example. If, if I'm if I'm Desmond Bain and I'm trying to make all NBA team, right? If I make all NBA team, I'm eligible for uh, bonuses in my contract. All of a sudden, I'm not making all NBA team because now I got to run backup point guard when Tyus Jones comes to the bench. And now I'm not getting as many catch and shoot opportunities. I'm I'm Jaron Jackson. I want to be an all-star again. And it's going to be really hard for me to be an all-star again and potentially get a bonus from some sneaker company or some endorsement deal because you're not around, John Morant. And now my every look I take is a lot harder. So... I think 100%. that's one of the things, you know, that I've learned from your experience in Philadelphia. It's not just the it's not just the damage he's doing to himself uh and potentially mm -hmm. his family members, but uh it is the uh, the chemistry or the chemistry that he is ruining potentially with some of his teammates. If I'm a young if I'm a obviously that maybe a rookie doesn't matter, but if I'm a young player in a contract year and I, I want to get my three-pointer set up by this guy who can dash into the paint in a moment's notice and, and suck in the defense, but he's not there. It's going to piss me off. So uh, maybe Jaws thinking we'll have that in his mind at some point too. Or maybe he has already. Who knows? Uh, but speaking of the Grizzlies, one more thing before we get out of here. Uh, the, the Toronto Raptors have now uh, wrapped up their head coaching search, uh, hiring Darko Ryakovich who's been the assistant there in Memphis. And since you spent time in Memphis, and I know we still have listeners in Toronto, 
Can you tell the yes, Toronto Raptors fans what they're getting in their new head coach? Man, gotta gotta always love the Toronto fans. Gotta always address the Toronto people, and love that you guys are always listening and being you know a big fans inside the green room. Uh, There's a big reason why you guys deserve it all. All the flowers and Darko, all the flowers and Darko is exactly what is what he deserves and what you the city needs and what the team needs. He's a guy that's very thorough and I, and this might make me think they're leaning towards kind of going young and rebuilding a little bit. Um, if you start off with a new coach like this, he's very thorough, he's very detailed, and I think this is what a new group is going to need if they do do that. If they don't have uh, a start over fresh type of, uh, I guess, reconstruction of what their trades and movements, I think he's also a guy that's respected, um, but that knows how to relate to the players, whether it's Fred, Pascal, OG, you guys keep those guys there. Um, so, yeah. He was amazing when I had him. He was great. Got a chance to talk with him, shot with him. He's dealt with many other people in different situations, different different parts of the world and different you know organizations in the league. So he knows what it takes. He knows how to get there and be an organization of Memphis who has been A1 since I've been there and done it the right way. Um, they just had some mishaps. I'm happy for him. I'm happy for the city of Toronto. You got a great coach, and I think he's going to be exactly what you guys need, and he's going to turn, get the locker room in order and turn this thing around for you guys. And I can see Toronto being back in, in a playoff, even not a contender, but being in the playoff uh, in the, the play-in games, even with a group that he may not have, you know, with a, a young group. I could see him taking a young group and having them as a 9-10 seed and having a play-in game. So, um, you know, congratulations, Darko. I, I texted him. You know, he responded back. He's always shown a lot of love. And congratulations, Toronto, because this is a, a major deal, a huge pickup and a, a great one. So enjoy it. And, you know, many good times ahead for you guys with the groups you have with this this coach. And he's going to lead you guys to some some special moments. So uh, good luck. I was having this conversation with somebody today. The Toronto Raptors, I, it's going to it's going to it's going to quote unquote suck for a little bit. But the opportunity to be really good for a long time is really on the horizon for them if they decide to go that route. Because they can get... And I don't think they're going to suck that long. They, it's going to be like maybe a year or two. I, th- I think they're going to be good, man. Especially in the East. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> so much happens in the East with injuries and trades and moves. But I think they're going to be they're gonna be solid. Um, I don't think they're going to suck a lot of it. I think they're going to be tough for like a year or two. But they're going to be good, yeah, man. It's, it, but yes, the potential, it, it, the potential is high. It's going to come... It's going to... Obviously, it's going to come down to the development of Scotty, Scotty Barnes. But if they decide mm-hmm. to move on from Pascal, if they decide to move on from OG... The draft capital that they can get, yeah, they could with be those a, guys. They could be a, they can get a lot of draft capital for both of them, and they can get some pieces. I mean, they get some young foundational pieces. Yeah, no, it's you know? it's, it's it's all on the table for them. We'll see what they do with it. Um, but that is it for inside the green room for this time around. Congratulations to the Denver Nuggets. Uh, and uh, I think I'd like to think we're going to get back on wax. Before the NBA the draft? draft, or maybe right after, are you mm-hmm. going anywhere for your? You going anywhere for your birthday? What are you doing? I'll be. I wouldn't say out the country, but I'll be gone. Man, I'll be gone for that week. Uh, with me and wife, we're taking a trip. It's our first and probably the only vacation we'll have out the summer. So okay, yeah. So let well make sure you make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. Give it five stars. Read, subscribe, <laughs> rate, review. That way you'll know when I'm the saying, next episode comes see out, your boy. For after the draft and probably probably free agency. So yes, oh, we'll def- be back yeah, around. Definitely free agency, but we'll try and get something related to the draft next week. So at least one more episode, maybe two. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. All right, everybody. Uh, you know what to do. Until next time. Peace. <laughs>